Welcome back. This is the Captain's Run. It's great to talk to this man because uh, everything he touches at the moment turns to gold. He's side in the VFL are absolutely on fire and he's got a sharp eye for what's happening in the AFL. His name, of course, is Michael Barlow. Mickey, great to have you on again. Hey, Sammy. Yeah, good to be on. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the lead-in. Enjoyed well, that. What is it now? I said before, is it 11 in a row now? Um. I say this every time I come on. I just we just <laughs> focus on what's just happened. So we're one in a row, and before that, I think we might have had a few more before that. But now things are going okay. Um, big challenge tomorrow. Frankston uh, will come around the bend and uh, battle the standalone. So looking forward to it. Oh, Twelve and two. Whatever you're doing, just keep doing it. Magnificent. I'm watching from afar. It looks uh, like you're having a great campaign. So we wish you well for this weekend and what's to come. Hey, tonight, what a game. So both on paper, given I guess the attacking tendencies of both teams with the consequences given the loser will almost certainly fall out of the eight it's Essendon and the Western Bulldogs at Marvel could be good could be a good one for the neutrals this one Mickey a bit of up and back action yeah absolutely I watched um I've watched both um both teams live recently I've actually I've had Essendon the last two weeks um for AFL Nation and against Adelaide they were scintillating scored 80 points in the first half and they forgot to rock up at GMHBA Stadium last week in the Mm. first quarter um, like many teams do, they were overwhelmed, uh, couldn't get the ball past halfway, uh, and the Cats just had them suffocated, really. So they'll look to bounce back um, after performances like that. Well, well, both sides will come off performances where the next week can't come quick enough, really. So um, the Dogs have had to wait eight, eight days, eight-day break, and, and the Bombers get a six-day break, and probably a light, light week on the track, a nice, sharp review, and um, in they go. So I think, I think you're spot on. Under the roof at Marvel, both sides like to, to flick the ball around and get some tolerable access and, and run from behind and use the speed. So uh, it'll be a good fan, uh, good watch for the neutral. What do you see in the dogs, Mick? I, I, I find them a curiosity of sorts. You know, you when you were playing, you made your name as a, as a clearance player, a clearance beast, and then therefore get, got the ball going your way. And the dogs smash teams at clearance, but seemingly can't maximise that dominance. And it's been a trend for a while. They're, they're a bit of a mystery to me. What, what do you see in the way the Western Bulldogs play the game? Yeah, I think it's there for all to see, isn't it? The numbers last week were were staggering. It was something like plus, you know, plus eighteen contested possession uh, clearance was all the dogs, the, uh, all the possession and disposal was was their way. It's the way they've always played, isn't it? They, they flick from flick from stoppage and an overlap run, and I get four or five handballs at times before the ball has even broken the bubble of the contest. So. Listen to Michael Voss actually this morning on um, mm. Kane and he, he was talking about you know, coming out the front of stoppages and, and that's been a big shift in in their style um, that, that once they're out that front of the stoppage that they're, they're going a lot more direct. It's there for all to see and the results have translated. So there's a bit of work to do, I think, there for, for the dogs um, about what that method from, from clearance looks like and are they overusing and going laterally and sideways with Handball, possession without penetration, Rossline uh, used to and probably does still refer to it as possession without penetration. That's um, largely been the dogs for, for for most of the year. And and the Western Bulldogs had an eventful night up at the SCG last Thursday night. It's not every day the coach breaks his hand on the whiteboard at half halftime. Um, have you ever seen a coach do himself for mischief in all your years, Mickey, or have his rant or his motivational moment sabotaged? Or, I don't know, have you ever fallen victim to that yourself at the Tigers? Uh no, I've been pretty lucky. Um, I'm only very new to the coaching game, really. Third year. Um, a few pens have been broken in my time. So a few pens and 
uh, yeah, a bit of collateral around the, the coach's box, but uh, <laughs> the loop beverage broken hand. Um, I'm sensing, yeah, he might have got a bit animated and uh, punched the whiteboard. I think there's um, another narrative getting around that it, it was um, a little mishap, but Anywho, that's the passion of coaching, and yep. you know, I don't think I'd want to get in Luke Beveridge's way if he was in that type of fiery mood. Um, as I didn't want to get in most of my coaches' way, I had you know, Mark Harvey, who probably had a had a fiery streak, Ross Lyon certainly, um, Rocket Ede um, was was pretty fearsome. I was never uh, privy to anything that that jumps straight into my mind. That uh, you had a broken hand as a coach, uh, intriguing. Yes, Brisbane Geelong at the Gabba. So a, a prelim final last season between these two. So this game comes at a fascinating time for the Cats, who appear to be resurgent, and the Lions don't lose too often at the Gabba. I think it's only they've dropped four of their past 31 or something up there. Uh, but the Cats have a relatively good recent record against Brisbane. So this this one is set up nicely as well. Yeah, it is. I'm, I'm big time on the, on the Lions this week. I think a number of things... Um, I think they played really well last Friday night outside of um, the first probably 10 minutes of the game and the last five minutes of the game. And again, listening to some of the platforms throughout the week, um, Lockie Neal jumped on, I think, on AFL 360 during the week and, and discussed exactly what they've done during the week, which has been reviewed that last five minutes as hard as that would have been. Um, what did they do wrong? And as soon as you, when you're in those reviews and going through every situation in in those moments where you, you don't stand up, um, you, you can't wait to get back out there. And mm. that, that opportunity will come Saturday. They'll have to wait a little while from that Friday night result to play Saturday and, and get into it and rectify what the first 10 minutes was and, and rectify what the last 10 minutes was. So they would have reviewed it strongly. Um, and I like their list. I like the way they, you know, they've got um, winners all across the board in terms of back, mid and forwards. Um, they just can't have the lapses. And the Cats, you know, they're a different beast at GMHBR. I saw that last Saturday night. They're unbelievable at defending that ground and keeping the ball in their front half. The Gabriel will pose um, a different threat. So a big challenge for the Cats. And, yeah, I'm, I'm confident that the Lions get this one done. We're speaking of AFL Nation's Michael Barlow. Michael, uh, Chris in North Ringwood's texting. Uh, he's posed the question, are there any other examples of a player who has kicked uh, three goals in each of his past two games who has been dropped like Ash Johnson, I can't think of one. It's an impossible question to answer. But as the selection squeeze at Collingwood, like extraordinary list depth at the Pies, Johnson kicks, as we said, six goals in two weeks has dropped. Billy Frampton has had his moments. Oleg Markov relegated to sub yeah. when his run and his spread and his dare have been telling. So and he's absolutely on for the spots at Collingwood. What a position for the coaching staff to, to have in front of them. Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's, um, is that? I read the, the ins and outs last night. I, Again, you do get the sense throughout the week with, with language coming out of Clubland that that big, um, well, not big big calls, but the the tough nature of it, because I think it was for, you know, my check and um, my check becomes available. It's going to be impossible to leave him out. Um, so he comes back in and, you know, it's, it's so often, you know, last one in, first one out when things are going really well. Um, and Ash Johnson down there a couple of weeks ago was playing in VFL, got Jack down there at Frankston um, from memory, uh, whilst, whilst uh, lerising with the crowd. So he's come in, had a good little spell, and they know they can go to him now when they need. Um, so the embarrassment of Richards is um, strong at the fight. Jack Ginnivan 
playing reserves. I'll leave Markov. Um, I was looking as the find of the season. Some of those yeah. um, explosive 80 metre to 100 metre plays off half back have been big. So, um, yeah, the Collingwood VFL, uh, if nothing else, will look, look as strong as probably what the AFL is looking. And they're, they're just trending very, very nicely towards um, our top two clash against the Port Adelaide side that I think made six changes or five changes. Um, off the back of that loss to Carlton. So they're stronger than what they were last week. Uh, they have the home crowd at Port Adelaide, but um, anywhere Collingwood plays, mm. they have incredible support. So uh, I think Collingwood just keep uh, their winning ways going. Yeah, okay. So Port Adelaide get Dixon, uh, Jason on Francis. Trent McKenzie only misses the one match with that bad ankle, and Junior Rioli comes back. So they are stronger, but you think the Pies are going to be too strong? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, yeah, just... They're playing a game at the moment. Opposition are clearly going into games and thinking, how do we stop Nick Dacos? Yep. Um, and no one's really finding the answer um, because of their ability to kind of flip him in and out and, and manipulate what the field looks like um, with his starting position. And then the pieces around the edges aren't just pieces. They're, they're um, you know, unbelievable talent. and um, they're, The way they're playing, their offensive style... Um, is hard to catch. I think that'll be uh, an amazing atmosphere for hey, the Port Adelaide Collingwood game um, yeah. this weekend. Because Port Adelaide will get right behind it, and yeah, as I said, anywhere Collingwood go, um, they take a crowd and and make it a must-watch. Michael, I wanted to ask you about the Brody Grundy situation in Melbourne. Obviously, it was all in the news in the lead up to, to last weekend, and and the messaging was a bit off at the time of Grundy's demotion. But the the demons want them to play ruck together still. That clarification's been made, but to do that. They need them both to spend time forward and to have more influence forward. So to do that, they're obviously exposing Brody Grundy to as many minutes forward as they can, and they're doing that in the VFL until they're satisfied he can he can do it to to the length of holding up an end for say 10, 10 minutes a quarter. I mean, what are you to, what are we to make of this situation? They've emphatically ruled out any prospect of a trade. They're wedded to to Brody Grundy for for now and into the future. But uh, can they both work together? Do you think? Um. Well, I, I think they can. Yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, I don't as a as a coach, like in my own situation, look at the the two ruck option. Yeah, you know, if you if you're a genuine ruck, um, and that's mm. your absolute one would. Um, yeah, it, it is hard to to find the minutes to, or or the exposure over the past however long that they've played footy to what it looks like as a forward. You can't just click your fingers and 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 be a capable forward at AFL level and I think Melbourne and um, those type of sides are going past just, just wanting a capable forward so I think I think they're up against it to, to get it going this year we saw the game Max Gorn had last year or last week so and Brody Grundy's capable of playing those games if he was to play an 80% um, ruck game as well so I think the, the rest of this year it's, it's um, I think that what may work in Brody Grundy's favour is they actually haven't been able to absolutely solidify what their key forward stocks look like. Uh, Van Royen mm. kind of come in and, and shown some time. He'll be a good player, but I think in time. Uh, ben Brown's kind of been in and out of the, the AFL side. Tom McDonald, um, you know, hardly available. And and the the spot there is available. So um, why not give it, a, give it a try and for the next couple of weeks have a look at it at the VFL level. And at the very least, they do get Brody Grundy up and going. Um, as that forward, and as good an option as the others, they know when he goes in for his 20 to 30% ruck time, 
you've got an uh, you've got an all Australian caliber ruckman uh, for 100% of the game in terms of what the ruck looks like. Michael, great to talk to you as always, mate. Appreciate your insights. Hey, best of luck for the Tigers. I know there's no streak, uh, as you say, but I, just in my little corner here, I just hope it continues. And we'll chat again soon, mate. All the best with it. Well, that's Sammy. Thank you. Michael Barlow there, AFL Nation, Werribee Tigers coach. I understand the selection squeeze at the Pies. However, explain to me how Johnson gets dropped over McStay based on form. Yeah, that's a good question that I cannot answer. Clearly, their best 22, 23, they see is McStay over Ash Johnson. It's the only way to look at it. There's something I want to talk about after this break. The AFL CEO meet at Werribee. Just something that came out of that I want to put uh, on our agenda, and then we'll get to the news. But back after this break.